You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Biking on my birthday was what we were just discussing literally 10 seconds ago. That was the before the act of the show. I was thinking, is it your birthday next week? No, it's not. You're, <laughs> not thinking, about, you're thinking about your birthday quite a, far ahead. <laughs> not really. My birthday is the day before it's... we find out who our next president is. So oh. I can put, do the math. <laughs> My birthday's always falling around election time. It's November 7th, in case anyone hasn't figured that out. And no, the election is not. November 28th, as Mr. Trump has told everyone to go vote on November 28th, which is hilarious, of course. Um, my birthday fell on election day a few times, and it was annoying because back in the day, in the 70s, they closed shit down for election day. Roller rink was closed. Pizza Hut was closed. I don't know why. There was something used to be about if you sold beer or alcohol, you couldn't be open on oh. election day. So, so you couldn't go out for your lunch or whatever. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't. Well, they use the roller rink for a, a, a couple voting place, isn't it? No, they sold beer at the roller rink. Oh, they had beer. Right. At a bar. So you couldn't have bars oh. open on election day until after the election. Oh, really? I believe what so. What kind of rule is that? No, no. I'll just, I think, I don't know, I'll have to look that up, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure that was that You know. And what, why couldn't you have pizza? Not the pizza, the beer. Oh, I thought you were meaning they banned beer and pizza. They sell beer at Pizza Hut. Nobody can have a fun time until this election is over. That, that's that's the rules. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody can eat or drink. That was funny. All right, so uh, this is um, n- well, actually, uh, this is from Africa. It's not actually Saturday. It's Wednesday. It is. And it's August the um, what day? It's is not it? August. It's October. October the. Uh... Oh my God! You're such a slave to that thing. You've been awake all day. You don't know. You're, you're even looking. I, I'm not claiming to know. October the 12th, 12th of o- October right now, but you will hear this at the weekend. Um, this is after the show. Or number maybe not. They might be listening to it in the year 2017. 449. The movie we're looking at, because we do review a movie every week, is The Legend of Tarzan. It's a 2016 movie. Um, it's actually out this coming week. Uh, and you can... Pick it up this coming week. It's PG-13 from our friends at Warner Brothers and uh, Sid Talk. Give us the synopsis of The Legend of Tarzan. There you go. That was your synopsis. It is The Legend of Tarzan. The dude who was raised in the jungle by some uh, other primates. Because I don't know exactly what they are. And um, in this story we inject some politics of the times. Including slavery colonialism, imperialism, etc. All the isms. Mm-hmm. So it's, yes, Tarzanisms. And if you don't know who Tarzan is, you need to read a book or a comic or watch some more movies or watch some more television or listen to some old radio serials. You're going to figure it out. Yeah. I read the uh, book. It's the original book at school. Edgar... You had, like, the original original? Who wrote the book? Edgar Rice Burroughs. Don't know. Um, yeah, the original <laughs> book. Yeah, we found an original copy of the book and read it. <laughs> Which was nice. Which was nice. It's a um, joke. It's a joke from a show. So, um, Tarzan. We saw the trailer for Tarzan um, a few weeks ago, actually. And what did... I didn't... Wasn't aware of this movie. I hadn't seen a trailer before that. 
And I thought, wow, is there a lot of special effects in that Tarzan movie from the trailer? Because the trailer actually shows you the end of the movie. Don't watch the trailer. Don't tell them it's the end. Too late now. Well, the trailer trailer shows you... You don't know it's the end until you watch the movie. The trailer shows you a lot of scenes, but the end of the movie is actually in the trailer is what I'm saying. Uh, So it's one of those trailers that, as I was watching this movie, I was going, oh yeah, this part's in the trailer, this part's in the trailer. Yeah, but you didn't know that when you watched the trailer. I didn't, but I'm saying don't watch that trailer. That trailer is an example for me of a bad trailer. What I'm saying is, even if they watch it, they're not going to know what part of it is the end. Yeah, Because you didn't. Until you saw the movie, right? Right. No, I think you could actually piece. I think you could. You could know. But anyway, so I saw the trailer and I thought, "Wow, for a Tarzan movie, that is a CGI fest." Because the whole trailer is like CGI effects. But that's, I guess, that's how you sell your movie these days, right? So, but I did expensive movie. I did think that looks pretty cool, and I like the cast. There's a pretty decent cast in there. So. I went into it with my, you know, I've seen lots of Tarzan movies. Don't get me wrong. You've probably seen lots of Tarzan. I used to watch the Tarzan TV show on, on TV. Never watched it, but I've listened on classic radio on Sirius XM, which yeah, I listened to. This story has been told a lot of times. <laughs> <laughs> Even in previous memory, you know, Greystoke, which was actually made by Warner Brothers as well. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of Tarzan stories. So I was hoping, 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 that going into this Tarzan story, it was not the story... Of Tarzan as a baby, growing up, and spoiler uh, alert, animals, um, you know, raising him, and then it ends. I was hoping that was not the story because uh, we've seen that story. We've seen the Spider-Man story. Don't need to see does that part again, do we? See, I don't really think that's fair because if I'm containing a movie, I'm telling the story in this movie. Then I need to tell the story. I can't rely on people knowing it from all of their sources. So, in this movie, they do tell you that. Very small. I know, but they do tell you it. Yeah, but I'm, I was hoping it wasn't a whole movie of that, which it could have well have been. Right, but you're also now relying on someone knowing about this story somewhere else, and I don't think that's fair, because you've gone into many movies in your life which you had so no this, pre-existing knowledge of. So this movie of. did it perfectly by it being like a flashback sequence that lasted about a minute to show you him being brought up. Which I think is fine. And then the story of this movie itself... But you would just have it not at all, probably. No, I wouldn't. I would have it like that. I would have it as an opening sequence. Like, okay, Batman movies. We always get to see Bruce's <laughs> <laughs> parents get killed, right? We don't need a because whole... Because if... I don't know We that. don't need a whole movie know. that leads up to them getting killed. What we just saw in Batman v Superman, the opening credits of them getting... was That's enough for me now. We don't need that story. I know it is now, but what if that's the first Batman movie you ever watch? It's not fair to say that everybody has to be up to speed like you. Yeah, but if we keep telling that story over and over again... Yeah, but all those people don't watch all those movies. Yeah, but if we keep telling that story over and over again, that's the only movie we ever get. Just that movie of that. Right, but that movie, if it came out in 2020, and that 17-year-old who'd never seen any other movie about Tarzan or Batman or Spider-Man... Tough. It's not tough. Go back That's and watch the story that they, they're not obsessed with movies, so they're just going to watch that one. So they need the story. Right. But I so don't disagree I, with you I about the is, amount of it. Yeah, they did it right here. But I don't agree with this mentality of like, oh, I know the story, so just cut it out. No, don't cut it out. Show it like... The, well, Batman v Superman was a perfect example of Batman's story. It lasted about a minute at the beginning of the mm-hmm. movie. And the same with Tarzan here. We see the origin thing. 
And then get to, we understand, he, yeah, he got raised by, not gorillas actually, in the move, in, not in the movie, in the books, they were actually not gorillas, they were fictional characters that Burroughs made up that were more powerful than gorillas. Mm. Well, they looked like gorillas. So, so, but in this movie, I think we're just saying the gorillas. <laughs> so, no, somebody called him that, and he said it's did, not a gorilla. He did say that, didn't he? Yeah, he didn't explain so what that, it is. That but. was a, just a nod to the book. But so this is a CGI fest. Don't get me wrong. It's also it has some terrible CGI, like a lot of films do. And this has a huge budget. This movie, there are some bad scenes of CGI. Um, almost. We've seen, we've all seen Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. We have. We've all seen the part where the monkeys swing through the trees on vines. Yes. We all hate that part, don't we? Most of us. Are you speaking for all of us? It's terrible CGI, right? It, <laughs> yeah. It's CGI that doesn't befit the rest of the movie. This movie also has some, whenever it is swinging on, on vines, um, not always, but mostly, it, I, I was taken out of the movie. Yep. But, on the flip side of that, there are some CG animals in this movie that are, uh, I wouldn't question them for not, not being Not even for CG. a second. No. I was convinced that hippopotamus like, was. Like we just saw the Jungle Book and we were like, wow, wow, wow. Yeah, exactly. This has that too. But then again, it, it does let itself down sometimes by weird physics. It's like it's like Tarzan's Spider-Man all of a sudden. It's, it's odd. He's but you swinging, have to put that in there because that's part of his thing. You do. Is that he swings on the vines. But there's a scene where he swings onto a train. And it, it's almost Marvel superhero, like, you have to go, oh, crap. Like, there is nothing based in real-world physics here. The whole thing is just a superhero moment, you know, just to appease, like, you know, we need to see Tarzan on a vine swinging. It just wasn't done quite as realistically as the rest of the movie. Now, what is amazing about this movie, and i got, I got to say... The, the cinematography is amazing. It looks incredible in all the, you know, all the time. Like, uh, st- the shots of Africa. I feel like there was some kind of blurriness and kind of darkness that wasn't necessary. So I don't know if it all looked great or not. I think you can get tricked into thinking that when, in fact, if you're looking at some of those landscapes, they're quite blurry. They're not really, like, sharp and perfect until you get to a certain thing that they want you to focus on. And then that thing becomes, and then it kind of, Sharpens up everything somehow, but yeah, I didn't. I didn't think it all looked great. Well, well what we, I, I did. I thought all the scenery. I was convinced we were in Africa. Yeah, we're not in Africa from the extras. They did send a helicopter and a, a crew to Africa, and they did record video footage of Africa from above. The rest of it is all in England on a soundstage with with green screen, and. You know what? I never thought about that. Like, they go to this, um, like, a camp full of uh, indigenous African people. An actual camp. I thought that camp was in Africa. There's no way. a village. Um, They called it an encampment. uh, What do you mean? Where the people lived? Yeah. No, they called that a village. Right, it is a village, but I'm just going off what Christoph Waltz said it was an encampment. No, he was talking about right outside there was where soldiers were. Right, okay, a village. They went to a village... And, um, I can't help it if I'm right, so don't get all huffy. No, I'm just I'm just um, being corrected and correcting it. A village. I'm not correcting you. I'm just letting you know you're wrong. You go to a village, <laughs> and there's a difference. I wasn't. I would have thought that was a village in Africa. Hundred um, percent. They go. 
They go to a waterfall place. I would have thought that was actually in Africa. It's not. It's all CG. It's crazy. That's not even CG. They no. built that. Yeah, they built... Well, they built it and then extended it with CG. Yeah. Um, there are many times where I was like, wow, really? Like when they showed you in the extras, oh, there's like a street that's tiny. But when you see it in the movie, it's just mm-hmm. giant, like, um, they pull the camera right back and you see an entire town, which it's all extended uh, CG stuff. Extended CG people. You know, there's scenes at the end, like towards the end, the big action scenes, where it's re- really grand, huge scale. But there's none of it. It's crazy that, that we got to a point in movies where you don't even need to leave England, like they make the cast and crew. And they can make a movie that you, I just watched. And yes, there are moments where your disbelief is suspended yes. a little bit. But mostly, I am in Africa being told a story. It's crazy that we're at that le- level. I mean, we've got a way to go, I think, to stop where, with the... See, I think that... I think in the past, early days of filmmaking, even up until like the 60s and 70s, all filmmaking was made where it was. If it was in, if it, even if it was a movie about Africa, they made it in England. If it was made in America and it was about, you know, the plains of, or like a mountaintop, it was made in the back lot of Los Angeles right. on a movie studio. Hollywood. So it was all yeah. back home then. Then we got to the point where traveling was opened up more and the technology i guess made it so you could take the cameras and take the crew and money remember money starts flooding into movies about 70s and 80s especially in the 90s and that's when we start seeing with bond is the exception because they've always gone to places it looks like they make a point they've gone yeah it seems like they've always gone to places. not every movie in every place is where it says it is but that seems one of the exceptions, whereas now we're coming back around to where it's like, well, we have $180 million to spend. We could spend $80 million of that on traveling. And it'll be difficult. <laughs> right. And hard it'll to be control. be very difficult. Yeah. And there's insurance. And there's everything to deal with, like, being in a different country, in a different language. Or we can sit here with these fine folks who sit on the computer all day and uh, pay them to build it for us. And in 12 months, it yeah. will look like we're all in exactly. Africa. Exactly. Yeah. So... But this movie, you know, if you want to see how far special effects have come, it's one of those movies where you go, wow, that animal is, <laughs> there's a part where Tarzan's, um, make, making friends, like with the lion, with the lions. He's, there's a group of lions Tarzan's known since he was a kid and he's, um, bonding with them by just rubbing his head like, you know, like cats do on you. And those lions, and we, I mean, watching it, I know, then he's not going to be rubbing his head against um, real lions, surely not. <laughs> but I, I, it, I'm not disbelieving the moment. Correct. It's, it, it looks right, the weight of them looks right, he's rubbing himself, it, you can see his hair. It's, the whole thing is like, it's crazy. But then again, like I said, there's just those moments where it goes Yeah, the, really... the ropes were, I mean, the vines That's were the, the It was the train sequence. Yep. That, it, it was an offending sequence. It was like, <laughs> yeah, you know, to me, it was like, oh, you... If you wouldn't have done the also, swinging... Also, the water buffaloes. Eh, I didn't think that Some of right. them looked... Because there was, was a lot of them. From angles that didn't look right. I, 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 found, I found with those water buffaloes, because there were so many of them, and they try, You know, you, they obviously, somebody there said, animate them all differently. Some of them looked like, carbo- like carbon copies of the next one. Mm. Like, it, it looked... You know when I play video games a lot, and you see... You can see, like, oh, here's, here's a herd of something... 
Yeah, the they're all kind of moving the, the same. same. Yeah, yeah. yeah, well, there was a bit of that, and that suspends your disbelief immediately, because you know, as a, you've seen herds of animals. The elephants in this movie, amazing. Again, they yes. they did the same thing in this movie as they did in The Jungle Book a couple of weeks ago that we watched, where they elevate elephants. Elephants, well, and as you'll find out in this movie, uh, if you watch the extras, elephants are, need they're, they're the, what, the kings of the jungle? They're the... The kind of like spirit animals, you can't worship them. They, you know, they give them this respect, like, and they do in this movie too. But the, again, CG elephants. There are no. In this movie, he actually said the director, there are no real animals at all, and the movie is full of animals. <laughs> I mean, yep. it's full of animals. As much as the Jungle Book was full of animals, there's animals everywhere. No talking animals, but no. actual <laughs> animals. But no, no animals. So yeah, I love that. Um, what did you think of the story? Like, in, in, to, they, what they basically did with the story here is they took some real world events, which was, uh, slavery in Congo, right? And they, obviously, Tarzan is not a real life event, and Jane isn't, but they, they are heroes, and they throw them in this real world thing. I like that a lot. Yep. And it made me really, f- <laughs> I, I understand slavery. It's this, but there's, there's scenes in this movie, where they're all stood and the in the train where it just really hits home to me like what the fuck like what's wrong with us yeah i mean yes i mean humans not just there's no particular race this is not pretend we did this we still do this unfortunately yeah, yeah but i mean this this thing of hey there's that country over there there seems to be a lot of people what can we do with those people well we'll just make them do work for us <laughs> for free the white men until they die yeah horrible and this movie, it has that horrible level, like somebody said in the extras. It doesn't go too... It's not a Schindler's List where you'll be crying your eyes out. Yeah, it's not that. But it is... It does make you think about that in the middle of this rip-roaring adventure. Which is funny, because on the tail end of a conversation I had with my father yesterday, it just... It was crazy how it lined up. My father is a 77-year-old, white, racist misogynistic, woman-hating, anyone of brown skin hating, lack of knowledge, lack of any sort of understanding or compassion, and yet there's this there's this crack in it, right? So we had this conversation, and he's throwing around every word that I hate and talking about our country and how, well, his actual philosophy is this was all built by the rich white man. Right? All of it. Can you imagine, he said, if we hadn't fought for Texas and if we hadn't fought for California, that'd all be part of Mexico. Now, I am not bullshitting you when his mind thinks that's a good thing. And I said, yeah, but, I mean, it was just Mexico before. So if that never happened, if white colonists and white imperialists and white people hadn't trudged across the country, that wouldn't, it wouldn't, it would be different and we yeah. wouldn't know any different. We wouldn't be like, oh, we never got Texas. We just wouldn't... It wouldn't matter that much, really. Not not in what you're saying. Because his mind is the white man, the white rich man. Sorry, he kept talking about rich men, men with money. Right. How they do everything right. I'm not bullshitting you here. They do everything right. They do everything that makes sense. And they're the ones that get shit done in this world. Nobody else, nobody of color, no woman could ever do this stuff. So then when I'm watching this movie, 
You know, I mean, I can listen to this conversation because somehow, miraculously, and I don't even believe in miracles, none of that is in my mind. You know, it's a very weird thing that you're raised with a thing that it's like oil and water. Like, I, I am what I'm one and he's the other. And it's never soaked in. We've never absorbed each other's things. Except yesterday, when I said a couple of things. He goes, you know, oh my God, I, I kind of like talking to you. you. You do make me look at things a little bit different. And I was like, woohoo! <laughs> like, okay, I may not crack that whole thing you have, but... You know, so then watching this, it's fiction, obviously, mixed with a little bit of historical references. So it's not like you can point at this movie and go, see how bad imperialism is or whatever. But the idea... It just touches on it, really. Yeah, first, you start off by saying that the very beginning, you had those little words at the beginning that said, whoever, some con- some coalition of European countries decided that they would divide up Africa yeah. and each get apart. And they have no fuck all to do oh, no. with Africa. Who no. are you? What the fuck is going on when you just decide from a thousand miles away? Hey, you know what? Look we know place. that country's down there. Yeah. We know they got shit. So here we go. You know, between you, me, Bob, Mike, it's full and Joe, of diamonds and stuff. let's chop it up. <laughs> and uh, you take that part. I'll take this part. And the people who live there, who have lived there for thousands Screw of them. years. Yeah, we'll use them for, to get no... the diamonds out of the, out of the earth. Right. I just... <laughs> I don't think I understand this conquer idea or urge. Now, some would say, well, that's how humans have thrived or whatever. But when you watch it in a story like this, it has to take one notch off of your thing. Because you have to go, what? The, what? What? It did, it, did re- it did bring that kind of reaction from me. There were a couple of scenes um, where I was like, wow. There's a lot, you know, there's a lot of white people. We're not bashing white people. We're both white people. Yeah. I'm just saying that the concept really, of it. They, there are times in history where they really suck. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the F were they even, you know, it's, and it's greed not, and, uh, you know, I think that's power. the root of it, really, is yeah. this power exploration and conquer thing. And I really don't, I think that if all of the things lined up, it could be anybody. However, it turns out to be that the... You know. I also really like how this movie starts, like not how you would think a Tarzan movie starts. Tarzan's kind of, he's he's been Tarzan, he's kind of famous for being Tarzan, and he's gone back to England to try and live a quote-unquote normal life as a... Ari- Earl. Earl, yeah. Uh, and he's in his like... Fanci- Earl or Duke or something. He's in his fancy lord. gear. Lord, sorry, he's a lord. And he's trying to conform to it, and it's clear that he's probably happier... With the animals in Africa, right? Or wherever he was. He's just more interested in that. And his um, wife is also, you know, Miss Explorer girl, who it's also a shitty... She hates it too, right? They hate living in this house. But they're trying to... He's trying to say, no, this is what I am now. And he doesn't like the fame aspect of being Tarzan. I like... I really liked how that started, and then he kind of, you know... An incident Slowly becomes Tarzan. There's an incident that happens that kind of forces him, well, semi-forces him to, to, to leave and go back there. The story is they're inviting him there to be to give them some sort of feedback about this Congo where the Belgian king owes a bunch of money and he wants this celebrity of Tarzan to be able to tell everybody right. how great everything's going. Like a promotional and, tour. Correct. And 
he so just, that this king can get more funds and more money from. But everybody. he looks at that and he's like, I don't. I'm not into the fame of on. But then he's looking at it also of, I just want to be back well, with my friends. You know, like this credit sucks. card man introduces a new idea to him. Yeah, credit card man being Samuel yeah. Jackson, 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 who says he introduces the idea of and represents a character from real life. George Washington Williams. Correct. Nice. Who um wanted to go to Africa to prove that Im- imperialists slash colonists slash all these other people coming into Africa were basically enslaving the population. Not unlike when we watch alien movies who are going to come here and enslave all the humans. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's total fiction. Uh, but he and, kind and of everybody fi- goes, oh, defend Earth. You know, you can't enslave the humans. No, but if you pick on one kind of human, it seems yeah. to be all right. But this character, like the Washington Williams guy, he just kind of, in real life, figured it, figured something's going on, and I've got to go and see this, like, to see if it is really going on. Because, as you know, back in those days, you weren't reading news about Africa in, in America, you know, you weren't... You would have, yeah, but... I mean, you would have, removed. but how true is it? Like, yeah. you know, what, you're just reading what somebody said, it's, it's kind of like the news today. Yes, exactly, yeah. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I like how they mix the real-life political thing it's not over heavy or anything they didn't go like it doesn't make it all complicated and like political but it gives tarzan a reason to be tarzan again which i really liked yeah and i like the you know the tarzan and jane love story i've always liked that's one of the big uh so let's move on to the cast because we can't talk about that without the cast alexander skarsgård plays tarzan we all Do you know, mean Eric the Vampire? We all know him as Eric from True Blood. <laughs> uh, what did you think of him as a Tarzan? He was good. I liked him. He had moments of... Did you buy, him, did you buy his British accent and all that? Um. See, I'm thinking he wasn't... Uh, he only started talking when he was like a teenager. Uh, so I have, no, I have no judgment to put on his accent at all because obviously he only grunted and groaned until he met up with her and the story goes that then... You know, her father was teaching English to the tribe, and he was then became part of the vet because he hooked up with like her. His, I do like the scene where he meets Jane, and he's he's still he's sniffing her. Yeah, and he's like sniffing, Sniff, sniffing, her. sniffing, <laughs> sniffing. <laughs> so there is some humor in it too. Like yeah. it is not completely about race and no. serious. There is humor and action. Uh, so and yeah, you do have to. My bubble of belief about a dude who was raised in the wild, and then in these short eight years. Or however long it's been. Um, I can as- assume that when we see him meet her as sort of aging teenagers, they do the yeah, rotoscope thing. Uh, what have they done to them to make him look younger, right? It kind of um, That that was the point at which he started to get, quote unquote, civilized. And then they make a point to say it's been eight to ten years. Yeah. So I'm thinking in that amount of time, he's become quickly... Really, this well dressed, the earl, well behaved, whatever he was, the duke. Yeah, I think lord. Um, so yeah, I liked him in it. Uh, I in True Blood, he was one of my favorite things in it. To be honest, I never liked the Bill guy. Everybody's into the Bill guy. I thought he was just boring. And I I really liked Eric because he he was like the edgy one who did all like the crazy shit. It got pretty crazy, didn't it, towards the end with him. Um, so and I really liked him in that. I want to see him in something really serious to see. I'd like to see what he can really, 
you know, bring, like a drama. But I've never seen him in anything like that. He was, you know, there's this, which is like an yeah. action movie. Well, he was in um, Diary of a Teenage Girl. Yeah, actually, yeah. yeah. No, and he really was good in that. Mm-hmm. He was the best part of that, I think. <laughs> he was. So, um, yeah, I did, I did like him in this. He got really, like, ripped and into shape, and we saw him on a talk show, and he said he wasn't really into that. Like, it's hard. <laughs> and he really wanted to eat something properly, but he, they, you know, they couldn't... He, he had, like, a... I mean, it's crazy in shape for this movie. Uh, Christoph Waltz plays the villain here, Leon Rom. What did you think of Christoph? Creepy as always. Um, We've seen him in uh, Spectre last. He was good. He was more Spectre. creepy in this than he was in that. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> you know what it was about him in this movie that really creeped me out? The way he didn't really say lots, but he just kind of stood there breathing. Like it was, it was just like, not over the top, but it was just like this guy, I didn't quite know how to take him. I know he's up to no good. You figure out his motivation is to be important, right? That's it. And it, but the way he, the way he kind of portrays it with his mustache and his uh, his like nice suit with his white hat, you know that the way of a person dressed back then, it was just <laughs> it was weird and creepy. The part where he was having uh, like a meal with Jane, it was yeah. just weird. Like, yes, <laughs> and and he and he never stopped being weird the entire time. There was parts where he just didn't say anything, but you were looking at him, you were like, he's just calculating some bullshit. And he's exactly all the time. He's like, yeah. and you and him have something in common: noses whistle when you breathe. Yeah, <laughs> you're in good company. Samuel L. Jackson plays George Washington Williams. You know what, Samuel L. Jackson, I am. Um, I, I kind of, after Pulp Fiction, which I think he's fantastic in, he's just started being himself in everything. And then we watched Kingsman recently, and I thought that was an awesome turn by him in Kingsman. He yep. just, he just that got into... That wasn't very recent, but yeah. Well, last year, he got into some, he got into this character that was not him, and played this other thing. And in this one, he really toned Samuel L. Jackson right down, like, he, uh, he did it a little bit. There was parts where he was joking in the middle. There's a ball joke. In this movie, that seems a little bit out of place, but um, and he does he goes full Samuel L. Jackson at that point, <laughs> just for a second. Yeah, but when he's actually yeah. just talking, when he at the in the beginning scenes where he's talking in the um how you know with the politicians, he's so reined in and it's so not him. I li- I really liked it, but yeah, he does go a bit, but again, surprisingly good because I often think. Samuel L. Jackson. I think he must, he's an intelligent guy, and for him to be hamming it up when his actual role in the movie is to end a massive yeah. slavery hidden thing. I mean, thing. he's the key to it, kind of. Exactly. Yeah. So you don't want to be Mr. Hamming it up or Mr. Unless it's a different kind of movie where you're literally going into. Le- I mean, they do, but. I mean, it should, we it's saw, not like an Iron Man where you're going we, into. We saw like, the trailer for Kong Skull Island at the beginning correct. of this, which Samuel L. Jackson is in. Correct. And he looked like he was Samuel L. Jackson in that one. Yeah. Because cause that one's not as serious. That looked interesting. Oh, I love Kong movies. Yeah. Mostly. Ah, I shouldn't say that. I did not love Peter Jackson. So, uh, Ma- I did, actually. I kind of liked it. Uh, Ma- Margot Robbie kind plays... Kind of liked or loved. There's a very difference. Margot Robbie plays uh, this version of Jane, Jane Clayton. Um, what do you think of her? She was all right. I like Margot Robbie a lot. I'm really, really excited to see her as Harley Quinn. Because I, I've yeah. seen the trailer of when, when she, and I was like, yeah, that is Harley Quinn. Um, we saw her in The Wolf of Wall Street first. That was her first um, on-screen thing. She was completely naked, if you remember. <laughs> um, ha- like she's also in with what's his face. Yeah, which was not good with no. Will Smith. 
But she was all right. Yeah, but that movie I didn't like. And this, I like her because she's tough and she's also kind of high-spirited. She's not necessarily a damsel in distress. However, I mean, I mean, she is. That's the plot point that we're. She's taken and she's in distress, and and Tarzan's coming to rescue her. But she can also handle herself. Correct. Which other Janes couldn't? They they literally in some of those old movies, those Janes uh, (laughs) are they just ah and wave the hands and scream and they're tied to something the entire movie. And I'd have to prove you on this. Well, I'm saying some of them, not all of them, but. Then Tarzan will come, un- unrope her from a tree, and she'll fall into his arms. That was literally the Jane character. This Jane character is a bit more three-dimensional than that. She, She's tough. I mean, she'll, she will get out of the shit herself. She yes. doesn't really need Tarzan all the time. Um, yeah, so I, I liked her. I thought it was good from her. And I can never say this guy's name. Dijamon Hundusu. He plays Chief Mabonga. I don't like, uh, it's, he's a chief of a tribe. Tribe. He looks really. Are you struggling? He's a chief of a tribe. He looks really cool. He has a leopard headdress. He looks menacing. He doesn't get much to do, really. No, but he's good. I I felt the the reason for him and Tarzan to have an issue. I felt like it was reasonable and the flashback of seeing what happens, both of them. There is a, that, that's a good, interesting story in and of itself, even if that was the heart of your movie. I think that could actually, because ultimately they, they can't work against each other to resolve the bigger issue of the story. So I actually really like that. And I, I thought he was good. I do like the scene at the beginning, which is the main scene with him in. It's a really awesome scene mm-hmm. with the water yeah. spray everywhere and the, and all the, the whole tribe. So he basically makes a deal with the bad guy. Yeah. He does. Spoiler. But yeah, he was good. Um, and then, uh, this is directed by David Yates. Um, David Yates directed several of the Harry Potter movies. He's also directed the new, um, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, which is the new, um, you know, movie that's coming. The one, it's, a, it's another J.K. Rowling thing. So, um, he's been in that for a while. What do you think of his direction in this Tarzan? I don't feel I mean, like it has much of a stamp. It's not, nothing, like, there's nothing, um. He's obviously made big special effects films. Already. Like, standing out as a style. It's more very functional. You do get a lot of, you feel like you're in the heart of it a lot of times, which is good. I feel no, like, like it does have a style. And I think the style of it is. It's really flashy. Like, it's, it's like, it's really, it's unrealistic in a way. It's like pristine and lovely looking, like a lot, like, and that is how it looks. Like it, like a lot of money was spent on it. Maybe more than it was even spent on it. It just looks like really nice. And see, I think a lot of it doesn't look all pristine and perfect. So that's interesting. Um, that's the kind. Of, but I liked it. I liked but that's not how a it style. Style to me is, you know, Tim Burton has a style. Like, yeah, it doesn't. You can't have, mistake like, that. Yeah, it's it's not like. Like, even Steven Spielberg does not have a style. No, he doesn't. He just has a high quality. <laughs> like, the detail of what he does is high quality. But you, if you didn't know, and you were, you know, 14-year-old, and you'd never heard of Steven Spielberg, and you said, watch these 10 movies and tell me what they have in common, you wouldn't say it's the same director. I Whereas mean, you got somebody like Wes Anderson, who's super high detail-oriented, and you would very possibly be able to say, did the same guy make all these movies? Yeah. This one doesn't have it. I mean, I've not seen the Harry Potter movies, so I don't know what the quality of them is like. I don't it's know. just like this, like just a big spectacle. Well, quite a special generic, effects. but 
fancy at the same time. Yeah, so I I don't know how to rate him from this I movie. I mean, if you think of a director as a project manager and getting the best out of the people and out of the special effects team, then that director did a really good job. Yeah. You know, because that makes a, does make a difference. He did say on the extras, this was, I was like, oh, wow, this guy's really enthusiastic about Tarzan. But then he did say, I was given the script and I was like, oh. <laughs> he said, I was like, oh. Tarzan's just that guy with no shirt and flying, uh, you know, flying through the jungle. Correct. Almost like Tarzan. Who would make that? But then he said, I did read it and like, got into it. That made me think it wasn't a passion project for him. It was a project. Like, yeah, I get what you're saying. And, to, uh, you know, I can usually tell when you see a director talking and they go, you know what? When I was born, you know, I got to five years old. I saw Tarzan. I knew from that day I wanted to make a Tarzan film at some point in my life. It's not that. It's like somebody said, hey, we need somebody for our next movie. Here's it. We'll shop it to some people and maybe they'll bite. So I don't think he was like Tarzan fan. But I do think this guy was, Alexander Skarsgård. Yeah. I was reading yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. He is actually a fan of Tarzan. Not just him. His family, his father, his brother... That they were Tarzan fans in a big way, so that's why he wanted to do it. So extras on this Blu-ray um, are, and there are a couple. There are Tarzan Reborn. It's actually it's pretty good. Actually, it tells you about how they came up with a good. new story for Tarzan. Like even even in their words, Tarzan's been made so many times. How are we going to make it even worthwhile to make another Tarzan? Um, there's also creating the virtual jungle. You won't believe how much CG is in this movie. Things that, you know, yes, you'll be go, oh, well, some of those animals and stuff are CG. But there are things in this movie where I didn't even think. It's like, no, they wow, they built one house, but there's 50 houses there, so 49 of them are CG. You know? And they all look different, and you would not notice that. I personally don't notice things like well, that. you will if you watch it a bunch of times. Yes, but not while not you're watching the first it. Time, it doesn't, yeah. You don't sit watching it going, oh my god, look at that. that none of that's real. Um, there's Battles and Bare Knuckle about the fights in this movie. And there, uh, there is a... What would you call it? That little film <laughs> where they're just reading. It's about Ivory. It's, it's actually good that that's in there. Public service announcement. Yeah, public service announcement from... Alexander Skarsgård and Margot Robbie about ivory, the ivory trade. Like, it sucks. <laughs> like, like if those statistics are right, elephants will not exist. Can if we this explain? Character. Could you explain to some some creature from another galaxy, another universe, <laughs> the impact of humans? And I'm not knocking humans. I'm a human. I like us. We're cool most of the time. Yeah. But I mean, the impact of our ingenuity and our knowledge and our ability to learn and ability to build and make and create and use up resources and destroy and all that kind of stuff. Like, the measure of that compared to any other species, there is there is no comparison. Yes, some animals kill other animals. Yes, you can't tell me that a lion chasing down a gazelle to feed the three cubs and then they eat and three days later they do it again and three days later they do it again. That that has the same impact as one small team of humans going through and killing 50 elephants, ripping out their tusks, sticking them on a truck and then driving away to leave the elephants to rot all at once 
50 to 100 at a time. There's no balance there. To make some jewelry or some... Right. There's no... There's no... There's no benefit, you know, no transfer of energy. I mean, I'm not trying to be all sciencey and shit, but I mean, a lion eating a gazelle is the lion eating the energy for so three days later he can eat another gazelle. Us stealing the tusks from an elephant. There's no balance. There's no like. There's no logic to that. I saw. Um, to me, I mean, I'm, some I'm sure can defend it, and we have economics and we have all the other shit. I, saw I get f- it, but photographs of the the ones in Africa who were poaching elephants. Who weren't actually killing elephants, they were just I ripping know. the tusks out while they were alive too. and then leaving them in in pain. And then they sometimes they don't die. Right, they just. And they just. Disfigured I'm not, because of them. And then someone would argue with you, go, oh, so you think animals are as good or as important as humans? I would have to say, uh, why not? Uh, well, I put, don't it, understand put it this way we have elephants. Me. On this world, we have elephants. We have <laughs> many species, but we have elephants. And these people are doing that to get to make jewellery. To make money, yeah. Money, uh, yeah. The only reason we need ivory is to make jewellery, um, what, statues and all kinds of things yeah. like that. We it don't doesn't need, serve we a don't higher purpose. <laughs> we can make it out of plastic. So that ha- that is happening and it'll keep happening and then eventually we won't have elephants. And you'll you'll be looking at books and going, hey, we used to have this species. Like, like you, you know, you look at... Exactly. Extinct species now. Like. That's what I'm saying. That's what I was saying when we were coming up the stairs is like, I don't understand the mentality of let's enslave this country to get all of its resources and then, and then what? Oh, fine. Great. You depleted it. You killed and changed and mutated that whole entire culture until it's not what it was. You've taken all the resources. And now you move on to another one and you start again. And then move on to another one and start again. I just don't understand the give and the take there. The the moving forward as a species is one thing. But just like obliterating everything? To what end? Like, this is what I don't... I can't, I can't grab... I understand. I understand that we have to survive. And I understand that humans have created our own world and all that other shit. But this... I just can't... Someone needs to make the case for me that that nasty piece of shit woman who Ricky Gervais always gives shit up to, like you pointed out. Yeah, like her a smiling lady. and holding up a giraffe's head or whatever she's doing, or Trump's sons being proud that they've gone out and killed an animal only because of the pride of it, like the, the like we beat nature. Yeah, so is what it is. But you haven't. You're just. You're just a prick, basically, and you're only doing it for, like, I don't even know. That's my problem. I need someone. I'm not opposed to people eating animals, not opposed to surviving, not opposed to clearing an area where you're going to build your house and build your town and all that kind of stuff. I feel like that's part of us. We're That's part of being human, right? You make a shelter, you eat food, and, you know, but this extreme thing that these ideas of conquer, 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 like, there is no end to it except at a one point, it's all gone, and you turn around That's and really go, look, I am master of... Oh, wait, there's nothing left. <laughs> you still have all this cool stuff. Yeah, gone. I'm master of nothing. <laughs> look, how, look how big my dick is, and look how I've destroyed everything. Everyone pat me on the back. Oh, wait, there's nobody left. <laughs> so, yeah, this is a little extra about... <laughs> Ivory boating. Yeah, they don't actually give you a number to call or anything. It's just, ra- just telling you some t- statistics about it, and... It's important. 
people know. I mean, and then, I, and then again, I don't live there. I don't have elephants trampling the the backlands of where I live. I don't have an elephant trampling children on the way to school. I don't have an elephants out there ruining the farmlands. You know, I understand that in your if you're in that life and you're next to that force of nature, how it might impact you differently than us living here where elephants do us absolutely no harm whatsoever. So, again, I It'd see that It'd be really too. hard for me to imagine a world where elephants were just a thing that used to be. You know? I mean, it could It'll happen. It'll happen. But it's awful. Like, It'll definitely it happen. Yeah. So, don't kill elephants. <laughs> don't support the killing of elephants. Don't buy ivory shit. Don't do that. What are elephant... What are elephants? What are, what are elephant keys? What are piano keys made out of now? These Plastic, t- probably. Tickling the ivory. I shit, mean, if right? you buy a, you know, an actual proper... An actual yeah. proper Steinway piano, probably still ivory, right? Uh, it's illegal to buy and sell it, I think, in most places in the world, even though it's still a huge thing. I'd say plastic, then. But there again, that doesn't give you much um, marble, maybe? It's kind of heavy. Yeah. Well, it doesn't have to be, does it? It could be a... I don't know. That's a good question for another time. It's a good question oh. for the internet. Yeah. So, uh... Yeah, I enjoyed this Tarzan movie. Um, I know a lot of people... I, I could see how you could pick it apart, but as a piece of entertainment, like it's like a popcorn flick with a little bit of things, some small things added in there for you to think about. I thought it succeeded in that. And uh, I would recommend you watch it, because I guarantee you, you've probably not seen a Tarzan movie for a while. You know, unless you were going back watching the old ones recently. So, uh, yeah, I recommend it. You recommend it. What the hell? What? Just was looking up ivory tusks and whatnot. And it's, there's a site, Elephant I Oh, am I going to say it? But um, it says, we are an American leading ivory buyer and seller and supplier of quality pre-ban I mean, elephant it, ivory. It does help. It, For I mean, instruments, it's still ivory, out there. guitar parts, and more, including whatever. So, and that's like a new site. I know that's there's like a lot of musical instru- guitars, like you just said, where they actually go, oh, so yeah, we're proud it's got of an this? ivory plate and, yeah. Yeah, pretty people are... Like, it makes it more expensive, it makes it cool, you know. But yeah, it's gross. So, um, thanks to Warner Brothers for the Blu-ray. If you want to enter a contest, go to aschoolie.com. You can actually win a copy of The Neon Demon at the moment. Go there and win a (laughs) Blu-ray. Excuse me. (laughs) Sid Talk can't win because she's ruining the podcast with a sneeze. (laughs) I wasn't ruining anything. So uh, next ah. next week's Blu-ray review is Swiss Army Man. We're going to look at that next week. Daniel Radcliffe and Paul Dano in Swiss Army Man. Looks really interesting from the trailer. It might be a little surprise. Uh, you know, we didn't really. What was it that we watched this year that was awesome? And we were like, wow. It was The Lobster. Yeah. And this, I think we saw the trailer for this at the beginning of The Lobster. It's got, had kind of a same, you know, vibe to it. So we're looking at that next week. Pretty uh, much the vibe of the lobster. <laughs> no. Movie recommendations this week. I am going with Avatar. And you know why? Because that is another CGI extravaganza that makes you go, wow, we've really come a long way in filmmaking and special effects to be able to achieve this at this time. And my other one is, uh, I was thinking of a movie with a sense of adventure. And it was Sahara with um, Mr. Matthew McConaughey. McConaughey. And uh, that's a really fun movie. I read the book of Sahara when I was a kid. 
And uh, I read all the books of uh, the Dirk Pitt series, as they were called. Dirk Pitt. And I was uh, unsure as to how that would translate to a movie, but... And a lot of people said, oh, it's just like a second-rate Indiana Jones. I don't think it was second-rate. No, I think it was I just another it. story, and it, you know, another adventurer story. And I thought it was pretty cool. So, Sahara, um, it's been out for a while. And yours are? Mine are, I'm going with the Halloween theme-ish type of uh, situation. And last year, or the year before, I don't remember, I watched Contracted, which is where a young woman contracts something that turns out to be quite horrible. And it is like the slow becoming of, what's a, we're not going to say zombie, but you know what I'm saying when I say zombie type of creature. And then the other day I watched Contracted Phase 2. And you get more of the story and more of a person who's slowly having this horrible, really, really, really horrible. I'm not pulling any punches here. It's gross. Um, but it's quite good. I like it. I think it's British, if I'm not mistaken. No, I thought... No, this next one oh, is... Oh, right, yeah, yeah. The other one is Housebound, which is a New Zealand movie. And it is really good. It is... A young woman is, like, troubled, and she's trouble with the law. She gets sentenced to stay eight months at her mother's house with her mother and her stepfather. And her mother's sort of like a chatty, you know, annoying little, you know, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And this woman is kind of rough and tough and, you know, so she's stuck here with the ankle bracelet and everything. And then, of course, we introduce the idea that her mother says, well, our house is haunted, of course. And she's kind of funny. It's kind of comedy. And yet it's got a really good... Really good story, really good action. You know, it's us, New Zealand. They make some good ass movies over there. It was another one I just watched New Zealand that I really liked. I don't know. Uh, uh, I'll have to think about it. But those are my three. All right, and uh, games and a scully stuff. I've been playing three games this week. Um, I've been playing some. I, t- I talked about it last week, but Mafia Three came out, and I've been playing some of that. Really like it. Um, Technically, it's not great. Um, really? No, it's got loads of, like, glitches in it. Like, I've had people, like, float up in the air and shoot off into... But you sp- haven't had this. Yeah, I've had this. Oh, okay. I was driving down the road, <laughs> and some pedestrians on the side of the road just literally shot straight up in the air. And I looked up, and they were just kept going. Like, they were just going and going right into the sky. Like, they were tiny, like, little specks. For no reason. Leftovers. Just... It's leftovers. It's an Omaisa commercial for leftovers. I saw... There's a... Because it takes place in New Orleans, there's a part near the bayou, bayou mm-hmm. where um, there are crocodiles, alligators. And I saw an alligator leap out of the water and then continue going straight up into the air. What the hell? It's like there's a weird gravity glitch where like objects get sucked out of the world up up as far as, you know what I mean? Like, the gravity disappears for those characters. Have you know, they commented game, on this? Yeah, there's been, I've, in fact, some people think it makes the game better. Because no, I said have the game people commented. Yeah, there's many, there's patches coming. Okay. But some people are loving it, because when they're doing the streaming on YouTube of this game, and random things happen like that, they're compiling them all together into, like, outtake, and there's just weird things that happen. Like, cars just disappear, but the people are still there, sitting in a position like they're driving a car. So there's a man just riding down the road with no car, but sat in that position. Weird things like that happen. It's full of all those glitches. In fact, I found a glitch where I was trying to do a mission, and the guy you had to execute at the end of the mission 
would not die. So I press the X button to execute him, and what's supposed to happen is you uh, slit his throat, I guess, with a, with your knife, and then the, a cutscene would occur, which would explain, you know, what happens next. But what happens is you press the X button, my character starts slitting with the knife and then just continues to slit him with the knife over and over and over and over. And the guy's just like, ah, 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 repeating the same line of the dialogue over and over. I had to restart the game to stop that from occurring. So there's some obviously quality control issues. But aside from that, I'm sure it'll all get fixed. The game itself's really fun. Open world like GTA. You've been hard done to. You could, you know... Yeah. You could say that. You could, you know, you're on a revenge mission to take down the, the entire mafia of in New Orleans. And you're going, like, one by one through all these pe- these bad dudes to take them all down. You're not particularly a good dude yourself, because you've had ties to the mafia. But you are a military guy. You've just come back from Vietnam, so that explains why you're so good at killing people, I guess, because you're, you know, tooled up for that. Um, But it's a cool story. It's got some really cool music. It's like a hundred tracks. It's all the music of that era, you know. There's a lot of the doors are in there. Um, a lot of music you you hear in Vietnam movies. I was just doing one for you. Which one was it? That one. Bad to the Bone is in there. That's not it, but yeah. Yeah, people know what I'm doing. Yeah, there's a lot of '50s stuff. There's a lot of '60s stuff. Uh. It's got really cool. There's three different radio stations. There's always a new track coming up because there's so many of them. Um, so yeah, that's Mafia 3. Uh, hopefully they fix all that stuff and it'll turn out to be an awesome game. It really sucks these days that games get rushed out because they have to meet the date. So games have never had issues ever before in the history of games? Uh, had. Ever? What? Issues ever? Till um, now? You know what? Like, back in the... Pre- yes, there have been issues back in with games. the day. But back, back in the day when time. games came out on cartridge and stuff like that, let's say like Super Nintendo, that kind of thing, games were play-tested and play-tested and play-tested because once they were on that cartridge, there was no change in them, so they had to be right when they went out. No, I'm saying, so none of them ever had one single There's issue. There's occasional uh, glitch that got through, but nothing like what today's games ship. Today, like Mafia 3, if it were... Uh, obviously, they had a date to reach and it had to go out and the... I think what happens these days is they go, well, we'll just fix it after the fact. If that's the date the shareholders say the game has to be out, and it's not 100% right, maybe we're at 95%, send it out, within a month we'll have a patch, it'll be fixed, everybody will be happy. That's not the way to make a product. That's like Ford make a car and they go, yeah, this might stop and it might not. Uh, there's a little chance of it not stopping, but screw it, we have to sell it this year. The cost year. of paying for all those lawsuits is less than yeah. us facing out. So we have to sell it in September, so, you know, we'll, we'll we'll recall them all, and we'll get them all fixed, but the shareholders say we got to sell it. No, you can't do that, and games is a, a thing. It's like a, also like like a music artist putting out a album, and, and they say it's got to be out on September the 15th, and they go, well, I've only done six of the tracks. Well, just put the six out, and then we'll offer the other six as bonus content later <laughs> yeah. on. It's like, no. Wait till it's done, wait till it's all good, and then put it out. It's not the way to do it. The other game I've been playing this week is Gears of War 4, big blockbuster game. Everybody. I haven't heard those words in a long time. Yeah, it's been like five years since the Gears of War 3, I believe, which was on the Xbox 360. Uh, so Gears of War 4, with Microsoft's new incentive, 
this year, which is really cool in my opinion. I don't own an Xbox One, but now I can play the games on the Xbox One because Microsoft have decided all their games that come out on the Xbox One will also come out on the PC. And when you buy either you know one of them or the other one, you get the other one. You know why? Because they own like the world of PC. They've got Windows 10. Well, Windows 10 came about and it was, you know, there's a big gaming push there. They know there's a lot of people with good PCs who can play games and they will buy games. So when you buy the game on the PC, Gears of War, for instance, you get it on the Xbox. And if you buy it on the Xbox, you get it on the PC. So it's like a play anywhere incentive, they call it, um, for the one price, which is cool in my opinion, because I don't own an Xbox yet. I can play these big games like Gears of War 4. With a friend who has an Xbox. With a friend who has an Xbox, because it actually works that way too. Um, you can cross-play. It, it's basically Microsoft are turning that portion of Windows 10 into an Xbox. So if you've got a PC, you don't really need an Xbox, because your PC will do all that too. I love that idea. Um, it's only benefiting them, really, isn't it? Yep. Um, because... Exclusivity the... does not really do no. anybody any good except it keeps somebody else from having something. But if you're excluding something from yourself, it doesn't really make any sense. And I think, like, I'm a prime example. I'm not a, I've am not. i got a PlayStation 4. I don't really need an Xbox One. But there are some exclusive games where, I, where I've scratched my head a few times and said, should I get an Xbox One? Because I really want to play that. I really want to play that. Now, I don't need to. But they still get the sales money from me for the games. Before they got nothing from me. I'm glad you had this revelation. No, but I mean, it's a, it's just a, it's, it makes sense. I think what their problem was in the past was, if we put it on the PC, our games, that are on the Xbox, people will hack them or whatever, and it will ruin our brand overall. They In Windows 10, they've locked all that down. You can't even mess with the files for these games. I can't even go into my hard drive and look at the files for Gears of War. They're all encrypted and locked down. You can't touch that part of the hard drive. So they basically built an Xbox One into your PC. It's really cool. Gears of War 4 plays better than it does on the Xbox. It's 60 frames per second as as opposed to 30 on the Xbox. So if you've got a decent PC, you're getting the best version if you get the PC one. The game's really cool, by the way. We've played about half of the campaign so far. Played a bit of the multiplayer. If you like Gears of War, it's more Gears of War, but it's next generation Gears of War. It looks... Well, you have to remember, the last one was on the Xbox 360, and we've really gone far past that in graphics terms, so it looks amazing. And the third game I've been playing this week is a game on the PlayStation 4 called Thumper. And what Thumper is, it's it's right up my street. (laughs) It's a rhythm action game. You're a beetle travelling down a track. I don't mean a car, I mean an actual beetle, like a scarab. And you're travelling down a track, and like Guitar Hero, things appear that you have to press the button in time to. And it's like Guitar Hero, but it's got this cool aesthetic. And they're calling it a rhythm violence game, because it makes you feel like really... it's The music is just like rhythmic drumming. It's not like... You know, let's play a song from right. Moby. It's like, it's this evil-sounding rhythmic drumming track that builds and builds as the level goes on. And the level gets harder and harder. You're having to press more buttons. You're having to press left and right. You're having to press up and down. But you're doing it to the rhythm. So it is, I love those kind of games. It's made for PlayStation VR, which comes out this week. I can only... I'm playing it 
not in VR. I'm playing it just on a TV. And it freaks me out. It makes me nervous. It's weird. I can only imagine what it would be like trapped in a headset and it's only the only thing you can see is it. Because it's freaky. There's bosses at the end of each level where they like float up onto the track that you're and it's just freaky. You can tell it's made for VR. It's made to actually fuck with you, like so like psychedelic, like you're on drugs or something. It's okay. weird. But you can actually play it not in VR. And it's a cool rhythm game. I love rhythm games. I miss Guitar Hero. I mean, Guitar Hero came back. It's not really the same as the old Guitar Hero. They need to go back to that old Guitar Hero. But this is close to what Guitar Hero is. You're pressing buttons in time to the music. It's quite difficult, but it's satisfying when you pull it off. So that's Thumper. It's called Thumper because the music's like thumping. Okay. So, uh, Svengoolie... what is Svenguli and why am I mentioning that? Svenguli is a horror host who hosts a show on Saturday nights, which is not today. Me so won't be watching any Svenguli tonight, but on Saturday night, he dresses up, he does some shtick, he does some, uh, you know, funny, weird songs and whatnot. He pays homage to his fans and to some celebrity people who have decided to take on yeah, wear um, the Svenguli shirt. He had. Who did he have on this week from? From Redger Rob Howard. Lo- not Redger Howard. The other one. Rodney McDowell. Rodney McDowell. <laughs> not Rodney McDowell. Malcolm McDowell. Malcolm McDowell. Oh, my God. From they're Clockwork all, They're all mushed together. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, he's that. And they'll play a, go, a weird movie. Like a weird old movie. And last week, I literally liked it. That was really pretty good. And this week's is Revenge of the Creature. Revenge of the Creature. Which could be anything. It could be, do you know what year it is or anything? Yeah, it looks really old. It's a black and white one. Really old. Like his Bella Lugosi one in it. Some, I don't know. Like, it was Bella Lugosi. Is it Bella Lugosi? Yeah. Right. So old, old. So, so yeah, old horror movies. I will all not be universal. here. The reason I'm not here to watch it will be because my mother, my niece, my nephew, and I, a niece and a nephew are not brothers. Well, niece is from my sister and my nephew's from, I mean, my niece is from my brother and my nephew from my sister, but we all go to the Kansas City Renaissance Festival and we've been going every year for five years, I believe. Now maybe this is six. I don't know. And it is a wonderful time, and so I will not be in this town even. I will be not really dressed up. I don't do the whole role-playing thing, but I try to wear something that makes me not look like I'm just, you know, tourist walking around. I will have my pink tennis shoes on, so that kind of gives away the game. But, you know, my weird skirt and my kind of gypsy-looking shirt and my crazy wild hair. And um, so that's what I'll be doing. And my advice? So what you're asking? Yes. What's my advice? My advice is... Uh, what's for dinner and your advice? My advice I'm taking from um, a dude, and I forget his name, but it's attributed to him originally in a book or speech or something. I do not know. But it is... Um, and I don't know the context. I only know that he was one of the founders and one of the beginning people of like the Black Panther movement in New York City. And one of his quotes, among many others... And it just sticks in my mind. I didn't even know this was the origin of it, to be honest. But um, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. Now, I don't, know if, that's, that I don't know if that's necessarily 100% cut and dry. Because there can be neutrality. And then some people might say, well, if you're neutral, that means you're not helping the cause. Or you're not promoting the problem. So, Or promoting whatever it is, you know, whichever side. Therefore, you are against me or against them but neutrality is what it is right if you're complicit 
I guess. Some people could say that you're causing the problem or whatever. But I think it's good advice to think about in, maybe not on a grand scale of all of life, but on a day-to-day basis, at work, in in your relationship, kind of uh, think, we have a situation here. We have an issue or a problem. Am I trying to solve it or am I just being a snotty little bitch making it worse? And that would be me talking to my own self. (laughs) Not everybody would refer to themselves like that, but... Am I actually trying to solve this problem? Or am I contributing to it? Am I making it worse? Am I causing it by my inability to think around it, to think from the other point of view, to, you know, just think outside of my own head? So if I'm if I'm not part of fixing it right this minute, then I'm probably part of the problem because... You know, or I kind of think of it in other terms, too. Like, when I hear people bitch and moan and complain about things, it can be something small. You know, at at your job, there are processes and things in place that someone else has decided for you. And you know, as well as I do, that those don't all work. And when you try to do something with that tool or with that process or that task, whoever made it up wasn't the one who has to do it. And it doesn't work right. You may end up with the same result, but it doesn't work right. It's a pain in the ass. It doesn't make sense the way we're doing this. But if all you ever do is bitch and moan about it, and you never actually try to change it, then you're actually part of the failed process. Right. So as soon as you start bitching about something or complaining about something or pointing out how something is flawed or trying to, you know, make a case against whatever it is at work or whatever... You have to think, okay, I'm offering you the problem on a silver platter here. Am I also offering you, in my other hand, a solution of any kind, even a suggestion of a solution? The willingness to think about a solution, or am I just going to bitch and moan until somebody comes along and fixes it for me? Because that's not the way my mind works, really. I can't fix the ivory ivory trade. (laughs) I can't fix the fact that there's still human trafficking on the planet. I can't fix racism. I cannot. It's It's a big problem. But I don't sit and bitch and moan about it. I, in my own life, will say what I think is the opposing view of it. To hopefully, from, again, my own point of view, give someone else a different way of thinking about it. And that in itself can be part of a solution on some level, I would like to think. Because if I'm really diametrically opposed to somebody else's views, like with religion or politics, if they even, if they'll give me a reasonable argument, a different way to look at it, right? I may consider it. You never know. So if I'm doing that in my own life, that's my own contribution to a solution and not necessarily contributing to the problem. I'm not very good at being complicit. I'm not very good at being silent. And I'm really, really not good at being neutral when every force of all of the universe is pressing words out of my lips (laughs) into the air. I kind of can't stop it. So it's just a natural thing, I guess. I have no fear of retribution. I have no fear of losing friends. I don't give a shit, you know. If you don't want to be my friend because you don't like the way I view a particular subject, then maybe we're not supposed to be friends, you know? Um, so that's my advice. Um, if not- you've got a problem that you're going to bitch about, find a solution. But this guy said it more eloquently. If you're not part of the pro- if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. And for dinner is pasta. That's it. Just some plain old pasta. No, pasta with some sauce. 
and some crumbles if I can find some crumbles that means we're vegetarian so I like to make the sauce with some kind of meat substitute or chunky vegetables yeah corn and morning star they make mm-hmm. like a what you like what it's like a meat? ground meat what do you call hamburger. it hamburger like a, a fake yeah. hamburger which works really good in it works spaghetti really bolognese. good and it's even better it's got this amazing like the savory good, flavor yeah. and i just and there's no grease that's the thing no grease. i always hated i mean been vegetarian now for a long time i haven't cooked a pan of hamburger and then had to pick up the pan yeah this is what i did it when i was a kid you had a can, can and you had to hold the lid on the skillet. We didn't have, you couldn't put it in the colander because that would make everything all greasy. And you couldn't put it on the sink because mom would rip you in your asshole. So you had to put it in the can, usually a Crisco can. <laughs> and then you put the lid on it and save it or, you know, get ready to ditch it later. But you had to hold the pan up there and then it would dribble down the sides and get on the counter. And then you'd still end up with like, you know, half a cup of grease in the bottom of your spaghetti sauce or whatever. Yep. So I never liked that part of handling the meat process and so this has been a revelation because it's really delicious we could just have pure vegetarian though tonight see what i've got all right so yum let me remind you about our website sayschoolie.com sitsa.com you catch us on twitter and facebook you can catch this podcast on the itunes music store the google play store google the RSS feed, aschoolie.com slash podcast listen on the page or just subscribe there you can use uh, i use feedly um, Congratulations, subscriber! So uh, you can also email me mm-hmm. ascoli at Don't email Sid Talk. And Not unless you're part of the solution. Yes, and finally, um, stay classy, uh, Mister Eric from Trueblood. <laughs> People get stuck with that. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I'm gonna say think for yourself, or someone will do it for you. Bye.